0: Hello and welcome
1: to Let's Dive In. It's our little podcast where we have a go at answering questions all about life, the universe and everything in it. I'm Phil.
0: And I'm Julie. So let's dive in.
1: Hey Phil and hey listeners. Hey, hey indeed. It is... Although with a heavy heart that we start our last episode of the season.
0: Time flies, doesn't it? We've had nine episodes already and we're super sad that it's ending. But on reflection, we have had some really cool questions and some really cool guests.
1: And all of them have done some really super awesome things in their careers. From travelling to space, to walking with apes.
0: To studying
1: humans and looking after giraffes. But one thing they've all got in common with each other... And with you, listeners. ...is curiosity. A need to find out stuff about
0: stuff and why the stuff behaves like some stuff and why the stuff doesn't behave like other stuff and why some stuff is different from other stuff. So... We thought we'd do our last episode a little differently. And instead of letting you ask a question, we thought we'd tackle this concept of curiosity.
1: Now, this podcast started because of curiosity. Our desire to help you young, wonderful people to find answers to your science questions. Questions we often hadn't even considered ourselves.
0: Now, the truth is that finding those answers has actually been a bit of a science in itself. And it got us wondering, we were curious, what is science? And what is a scientist? A scientist is an engineer. Someone who studies different types of things. Answers questions and figures out stuff. Someone who, who knows about stuff that people don't know. A scientist is someone who does research. People that um, do lots of things. Now, she's totally right. Scientists are people that do lots of stuff.
1: Here's just a quick example of some of the cool things the guests on our Let's Dive In show have worked on.
2: Just the rocket ride going up to space, you're traveling at 17,500 miles an hour.
1: And I've been lucky because I was able to actually live like Tarzan. And uh, I'm an oceanographer. I'm a biological anthropologist. Building satellites and robotic arms. And And I work on telescopes and satellites. Atomic physics and interactions (laughs) of lasers with solids. People who suffer from emotional problems rather than physical problems.
2: Kind of odd things like mostly lizards and snakes and sometimes amphibians too.
0: Those scientists sound like they are having so much fun.
2: Is that the answer
1: to our question then? Like, I mean, what do scientists do? They just have the crack, lots of fun. Like,
0: Oh my goodness, yes they do. But I think we do need to dive in a little deeper here.
1: I think we do. It sounds good.
0: No, no, Phil. Phil, that was your cue for the tagline of the show. Oh. You think you'd figured this out by now? Oh, oh,
1: yeah, by season two, I possibly should have gotten that. Okay, okay. We have to go a little bit deeper. That's right. Let's. Di- oh, no, what's it? What's the show? Oh, yeah. Let's dive in.
2: And what do you think a scientist does?
1: Fix
0: things, makes potions, and. Looks in microscopes for some things that are might be bad. Some scientists look at the space. Some scientists look for new animals in the rainforest or the forest. I think scientists do experiments and find out
1: about the open world. Kids. You're right. Some scientists do exactly these things. And we'll hear a few bits from two of our Let's Dive In experts on how they use and do the science. So, listeners, we want to take you back to the very first episode
0: of this series. Do you remember, it was all about tadpoles and we spoke to biologist Kurt Schrenk to find out why tadpoles blow bubbles. And
2: all of a sudden this tadpole swam up to the top of the tank and something happened. I don't know what, it just kind of went and there was a bubble left and then it swam down. But really, and you're
1: getting some behind the scenes insight here, we spent a lot of time just talking to Kurt about science, particularly the type of science that he does.
0: Now, who'd have thunk it, right? There are different types of science. Now, we don't mean just, you know, physics, chemistry, biology. Those are the different subjects We're talking about different types of doing science, of scientific research.
1: So let's give you a brief introduction to the one many of you listeners might know best experimental science.
0: You know the one, the type of science that uses experiments.
1: Exactly. Experiments can be physical in a laboratory. Sorry, no, in a laboratory. I always get those mixed up.
0: Don't get those mixed up.
1: Yeah, no, I'll try not to. I, 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 the, the experiments can have test tubes, they can have potions, they can have lots of things. Or they can be on computers with
0: models that are trying to simulate how something in real life works.
1: But basically, the method used goes a little something
0: like this. It starts with a scientist who, like many of you kids, will ask a question. But here's the thing. They'll have a go at guessing the answer. And this guess is called a hypothesis.
1: The scientist would then create an experiment to test this hypothesis to see if it's true. If it is,
0: great. And even if it isn't, also great because then the scientists would go back to the drawing board with all this new information about why their guess wasn't right and design more experiments to understand why it didn't work and and what might work instead
1: so for example i might guess that if i drink a blue drink then i will pee blue pee that would be my hypothesis I would then go away and design an experiment to test this hypothesis to see if it's true
0: So Phil would drink some blue liquid and then would wait until he needed to go to the toilet And then when he did, he would note down the result
1: I would wash my hands first, but yes, exactly And then I would try again with maybe a colourless drink to see if it goes back to a normal colour I've got to ask, did you actually do this Phil? How do you think I came up with the idea for the script? Of course I did Did it work? Uh, it kind of did. It, It smelled of blueberries. But anyway, enough about my pee. Yes, quite. Anyway, so that's experimental science. And often this experimental research is set up to answer a specific question that could help humanity or solve one of the big challenges that our planet is facing right
0: now. So there's the experimental research. Now, Kurt's research, or Tadpole expert's research, was a little bit different. He does something called basic research, which isn't set up to answer a particular question. Instead, it's research for the sake of research and to find out what happens next.
2: It's research that people do because they become curious about something in the natural world. The research doesn't have to be designed to help people or human beings. doesn't have to even be useful it just has to be interesting <laughs> and the surprising thing though is of course that even though we don't start out by asking questions that are useful to people often what we learn what we discover as a complete surprise often is becomes a critical little piece of information or fact that ultimately becomes extremely useful anyone can practice this kind of science in their own backyard.
1: You really can. Just go out, pick up something in your garden. A rock, a stick, an insect, a bird, a snake, a frog. Maybe not a snake, your cat.
2: Just watch it, observe it, study it, write notes about it. And you do this like over days, weeks, years. Almost certainly at some point you're going to see something that's... Either it's going to be amazing or just surprising or baffling. You'll just go, what was that? What I don't understand. Why did it do that? What did it just do? Or how did it do it? Something will happen and you will ask a question. And then you can, that's when you can say, well, how can I answer that question? But it always starts with an observation and a big part of science is just careful observation. And then when you have gotten enough basic learning that way from observing, then you can start to ask those interesting questions. You can start to design experiments and you can make hypotheses. But um, this is why spending time in nature and just watching things in nature is so important, because without that, there aren't any questions to ask.
0: So that was basic research. But there is a third type of research, or a third type of science, called data science. And a data scientist is someone who takes information about lots of different things and tries to see if there are connections between them.
1: Do you remember Nina Jablonski? the biological anthropologist we spoke to about why we're all different colours.
0: Yes, she is one of those data crunchers. (laughs) Yes,
1: although I did prefer calling her a data muncher. Nom, 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 data.
0: I'm really hungry for data. I love to eat data. I eat all sorts of different data about all sorts of things and try to scrutinise it, analyse it and put it together.
1: So Nina was working with colleagues to try and understand why historically people with different coloured skin lived in different parts of the world. Those with the darkest skin mostly lived around the equators and those with lighter coloured skin lived closer to the poles.
0: Now, imagine that the different pieces of information she used are like different pieces of a puzzle. The
1: skin pigmentation, the actual colour
0: data, the remotely sensed solar radiation data and the genetic information on the pigmentation genes and the variants of those genes that exist in different parts of the world. So Nina and her colleagues then puzzled all of these pieces of information together to make the whole puzzle the bigger picture. And that helped answer the question of why people in different places have different coloured skin. <laughs>
1: So I think my takeaway from all this is that science is a way of doing things. A way at looking at problems and finding good ways to solve them.
0: And for me, I'm going to take away that what science isn't is a collection of facts. Those are the outputs, the results of the science that's being done.
1: And knowing those facts is super cool. And you don't have to be a scientist to understand and use them.
0: And even if you're not a scientist with the capital S, you can still do science. And the science that you do isn't worth any less just because you're not one of
1: those people who works as a scientist. Like, take me, for example. The type of science I do these days isn't the type of science that scientists with the big capital S do. The science that I do is explaining things to people, sometimes through experiments and figuring out how the best way to show people something so that they can understand and figure it out. So I have to experiment and research and figure out the best way to explain things. That's how I use science and why I still call myself a scientist.
0: Now, for me, I trained as a physicist. And even though I'm not a physicist now, I don't work or research in physics, in some ways I am still a scientist at home. I spend a lot of time with my kids exploring our garden and the outside world or doing different experiments, talking about how things work and, and if we do an experiment, how we might change things up a little to see if it makes a difference to the result.
1: Many people are scientists in the kitchen. Picture it, you're cooking at home and you're making notes on the recipe and comparing your cooking to what you made last time and why it's a little bit different and then maybe swapping out different ingredients out of the recipe to see what happens. Science and thinking about things in a scientific
0: way are useful no matter what you do. So we've heard in this series from Red Arrows pilot Nick Critchell, who needs an understanding of weather science in order to check when it's safe to fly.
1: And astronaut Bruce Melnick and rocket engineer Dave McKeown, who were and are experimenting in space. Then there were Stace and Pete, the Australian audiologists, who
0: literally get elbow deep in earwax.
1: But then there was Fred Berkovich, a real-life Tarzan, who spent years observing animal behaviour
0: in the jungle. Speaking of jungles, there was Collie Ennis, who is a man with a jungle in his own living room, and he studies all sorts of critters, great and small.
1: And even smells great and small. There was Mary Roach, the author who had to research and learn all about farts and other cool science things for all her books. And there was Brian. Oh, my dad! He spent hundreds of years working in the Corpo, <laughs> making clean water for us to drink, and then came home and alongside my mom encouraged me to think about what I wanted to be
2: when I grew up. Children, you know, they, they ask questions the perfect way, which is just completely openly like, yeah, how do they do that? Or, you know, they come up with their own ideas. So, I, yeah, I, I wish it's almost like to be a good organismal Biologist, the, the kind of science I do, you have to retain that childlike kind of curiosity and openness. I think that makes you a better scientist. So, yeah, I think kids are un- unknowingly or can be really good little scientists. So, keep it up.
0: When I grow up, I want to be a gardener, <laughs> a diver, a scientist, a ballerina, please, Oh astronaut. I would want to be a swimmer and a climber. I want to be an engineer and a and people that makes clothes.
2: A fashion designer? Yes. Oh, okay. I
0: want to be a doctor. Artist. A vet. Thinking either a spacewoman or a scientist. A firefighter. Marine biologist. Because I think they have very good jobs in helping see creatures i want to be a scientist when i grow up
1: so think about it whatever career you choose science will be useful to you but most importantly doing science can be super duper fun and even our wonderful intern she was only an intern at the start but now she's a wonderful intern Ashling, she feels the same. Bum 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 bum. Fun fact.
3: Ashling, how are you? Hi, I am just buzzing about my recent trip to Killarney National Park. Oh, lucky. It's
1: beautiful down there in Kerry.
3: It really was. I mean, there were the autumn colours, the foggy mornings, and then these red deer stags just bellowing at each other. It was really cool. It
0: sounded like a Disney world for a moment. And then the bellowing, it just ruined
3: it a bit. (laughs) Yeah, it was really funny. So since this episode is about science careers for my final segment, I want to share a little bit about my experience as an interpretive park ranger.
0: So an interpretive park ranger is a science career. Um, Let's start with what sort of parks did you work at?
3: Well, I worked at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park and also Te Wahi Bonamu World Heritage Site in Aotearoa, New Zealand.
1: Oh, i just throw that in at the start. So I've worked in Hawaii. I've worked in New Zealand.
3: (laughs) I mean, I'm so lucky.
0: Okay, so I want to know a little bit more about what an interpretive ranger then actually does.
3: Well, for me, it was taking visitors to special places in the park and sharing, like, interactive stories and answering questions all about the local animals, the plants, the geology, plus some of the human connections and current conservation efforts, which are so important. Okay, so... Given
0: that we've gotten to know you over these last ten episodes, this sounds like a perfect fit for you. Uh, how did you even decide to become a ranger? Is it what you wanted to be when
3: you grew up? Well, I mean, I wasn't like focused on this career. I want to be a ranger, but I did <laughs> grow up river stomping and tide pooling all throughout Oregon.
1: <laughs> that was a hundred percent you. <laughs> but that—that that sounds all. It sounds like it was an adventure, but it also sounds like anybody who came to visit you you kind of got a connection with them, with the place, but also with you. Do you like kind of like chatting with people as an interpreter that way?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite things. Was that we got to meet all kinds of different people that were visiting the park, but also people that for ages had had connections to those places. And I, of course, I'm not from New Zealand or Hawaii, But uh, going to these places and learning from people, uh, it was just it was really, really great. And I guess when you get to
0: know the people and the place, you become more involved in the local environment and and your feelings for the local environment become stronger and more connected as well. So did you sort of I don't know how to ask this question. Did you become an environmental scientist at the same
3: time? Well, I mean, when I was younger, I wasn't quite sure that I would fit into the environmental scientist role, because, I mean, I was a big nerd, I was queer, and I was just like, you know, maybe that's not for me. But then I learned about science storytelling, and that felt like all of my fun hobbies and everything were just getting smushed together. And I was like, okay, well, maybe this is the best of both worlds.
1: So you got to smush loves together. Like I often do that when I get love of marshmallows and love of chocolate. And I put them together in a marshmallow chocolate. Good old s'mores. Yes, there's always s'more because I make lots. (laughs) But this does sound like that it's possible to have a career where you take and get paid to do something that you love that can make a difference.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's what I really loved about it is you get to work outside in some of the most beautiful places on earth, I think at least and you get to meet people from all over the place. And so, I mean for me, I love learning new things and it was really engaging and challenging to be learning things all the time and then uh sharing these fun things with other people. Just like fun fact sharing, which I love. So, yeah. You love a lot of things about this career, definitely.
0: But Everything can't be wonderful and glorious and roses and rainbows all the time. So what did you not love about it?
3: Oh, God. Okay, so it was really frustrating to deal with people who would do harmful things, like feed wild animals foods that will make them sick. Um, Or they would try and get the perfect photo, hop over safety lines and get as close as possible to flowing lava where toxic fumes were just spewing in their face. I mean, just... I don't know. I don't get why. There's no perfect photo for that. (laughs) There's
1: there's no perfect photo, but as much as I'm like safety first, I'm also kind of like, I'm a big fan of what people might call Darwinism, that if, you know, if people fall in and die, I mean, it makes the species... Uh, stronger, so I mean, best to look to them. Uh, so I do, and also there's the like, why should nature be fenced off? I want to go play in it, and if I hurt myself, it's my fault. Uh We just, my mom used to just go, "You're grand. Hey, can you walk? Yeah, okay, you're that's, fine."
0: That's my attitude too. Can you walk? Good. You still got all your fingers and toes?
3: Good. Carry on.
1: Yeah, I've got them in my pocket here, Judy. <laughs>
3: But, you know, despite all those negatives, you still get some really, really great moments. And so I would highly recommend going to a local national park. I mean, learning about these places. I think that's great for everyone. So there you have it, listeners. Next time you have a chance, go and visit your local
0: national park and listen to some of the fun science yarns from a ranger. Yes. Yeah, so
3: I wish you all a fond farewell as I head off onto my next Curious Adventure.
1: Oh, thanks for joining us. I do feel like after that send-off, you should have a horse and be riding off into a sunset.
3: That's what, that's exactly what I was just picturing. Oh, coconuts would be more mine. <laughs>
1: okay, Julie, can you add a sound effect here where we're like... Okay. Farewell, Ashling. Farewell.
3: Fare thee well. Until next time. (laughs) She's also
1: turned into Dracula. I don't know. We need a bigger sound effect budget.
3: Either that or you should have had like a cowboy like, Yeehaw, see you later, folks. (laughs) See you later, partner, until the sun comes around again.
1: Bye, Ashling.
0: Bye.
3: Bye.
0: Thank you all so much for making it to the end of our Let's Dive In show.
1: We love making these shows for you, but of course, there's more to it than just having some fun.
0: This show wouldn't be possible without Science Foundation Island.
1: Our coordinators, Lorna, Sharon, and Avian at UCD
0: Explore. And of course, the one who oversees it all, Nikki Coughlin. And the one who oversees Nikki and everything else, Suzanne Kelly. Finally, A big, huge and giant thank you goes to you, our listeners, for listening and also for sending in your questions.
1: Without you, we wouldn't have a show. So
0: please like, share, subscribe and give us a review if you've enjoyed it.
1: And if you feel so inclined. I mean, we're very much obliged.
0: So thank you and
1: And bye. bye.